want to do in our lives to your will and purpose. Let's pray that your word become like a two-edged sword that pierces our, our souls, that ministers to, to us and make us more like Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. If we're all ready to go now, we're okay. I'm going to read from the Amplified, because as I'm reading through the Bible, I'm reading through in the Amplified, which means it takes me longer than it does you, because I've got all those extra words. But occasionally it comes in handy. And um, as I was reading through the Amplified, I'd made all these notes in the column of my Amplified about this passage and uh, I have been able to get past Luke chapter 1 for the last two weeks and this passage because I keep going round and round so I thought if I preach it it might help me move on. It doesn't usually work like that but hey. But the situation is you've got Mary and um, Dale talked about angels last week and the angel comes and, and sees Mary and um, says hey you're highly favoured and uh, you're going to get pregnant and have a baby. In verse 35, the angel says to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing, offspring, which shall be born of you, will be called the Son of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to get pregnant and conceive a child. And my question for you tonight is, what seed has God planted in you? Now, I don't think you're going to be pregnant, unless that's your plan in your married relationships, and that's for you guys to work out, not for me. But I'm not talking about pregnancy. I'm talking about when God comes into your life, why is this side further forward than that side? I'm going, what's wrong, what's wrong? I feel, I feel like I'm walking backwards and then forwards. We've grown a road. Hey? Hallelujah. Oh dear. Heckled by my family. When the Holy Spirit's in your life, He has a vision and purpose for your life. Jeremiah says that God has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. He did not make you to be ordinary and mundane. In fact, He says He made you peculiar. You're a weirdo. When you became a Christian, you became a weirdo. The Bible says the world doesn't understand the hope and the value we have in the cross. All these things. But most importantly, God says that He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. A plan to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. A plan to change the world. A plan to change your world. And it starts with a seed. Up to this point, Mary's had a really ordinary life. She's grown up, she's got engaged, things are a little exciting, but in reality, they're pretty ordinary. 
Nothing really extraordinary has happened in her world. And then she has this encounter with God and she becomes pregnant by Holy Spirit. Suddenly her purpose in life is revealed. She discovers why God made her, what his plan and purpose for her was, and it starts with a little seed. Just one little seed planted within her changes her destiny for the rest of her life. And God wants to do the same thing with you. Not get you pregnant with God himself. He wants you to become pregnant with his plan and his purpose for you. He wants to put within you a seed of the plan he has for you. Now see, we think when God's got a plan, some people go, well, if God's got a plan for me, he'll just make it happen. Well, actually, no. If God has a plan for you, he wants you to work with him to make it happen. If you wait for God, you're going to be waiting for a long time because he's waiting for you. He's been ready for all eternity. He's just waiting for you. Because it's your plan and your purpose in him. Not his plan and his purpose for him. Get that? It's the plan and the purpose for your life in God. And his plan is for you to live it out. Now people say, well, if God's got a plan and purpose for everyone, he'll just make it happen. Well, we know that's not true. I don't think it was any God's plan or purpose for anybody to become a drug addict. I don't think it was God's plan and purpose for somebody to become a murderer. So if God's plan and purpose for every person came about, then we would have to question God's plans and purposes, right? So why don't these people fulfill God's plan and purpose? Because they don't realise who they are in God. They don't realise what God wants to put within them and what his plan is. So the point I'm trying to make, going around in circles here, is that God has a plan and a purpose in your life. And when you became a Christian, you received Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit came in and gave you the seed of what he has for your life. But it's only going to come about if you step into what God has for you. Now, there are several things that can stop God's plan coming about. First of all, you don't like it and you don't do it. You can stop God's plan for your life. God is not going to force you. In fact, he talks about the word, the four inches of the word coming in. And, you know, the first is that it comes in and it gets stolen straight away by Satan. The second one is, and 
and it gets choked out by the busyness of life. And sometimes I was thinking about the busyness and, and we always think the busyness is, is all the bad stuff. But often the busyness is actually all the good stuff. You know, just because something's good, it doesn't mean it's God. You know, there are a whole lot of programs that we as a church could run. We could fill up our weeks with a whole lot of busy stuff. And they are good things. We get involved with, you know, Bibles for Africa, Bibles for Asia, Bibles for the US, Bibles for Europe, Bibles for everywhere. We can get involved in translating Bibles for people who have never seen a Bible in their own language. We can get involved in working with the poor. We can get involved in working with prostitutes. We can get involved working with drug addicts. We can get involved with young people, with old people, with people in between. We can get involved with the homeless. We can get with those who are financially challenged. And they're just the ones off the top of my head. I can remember once sitting in my office and going through the mail and filling up my bin weekly with the mail that came in from people asking us as a church to get involved in all these things. And they are all really good programs. And many of them are out there making a difference. But just because it's something that's good, it doesn't mean it's God. It doesn't mean it's what God has for you to do. And when you get involved in too much stuff, you lose what your life is about. And it gets choked down. Or you can get involved in a whole lot of bad stuff. And that'll choke it out too. But I'm sure you can work that bit out. The other thing that, that steals the seed is is the cares of the world. Worrying about money, worrying about family, worrying about your house, about your job, about this, about that. Those things will choke out the seed and the purpose God has for you. And fear comes in and you become too scared to step into what God has for you to do. I've discovered in life that the best opportunities come along disguised as massive problems. They never come along and go, hi, I'm an opportunity perfectly wrapped and here's all the resources to make it happen. It never works like that, does it? It comes along disguised as this, there are a lot of issues, a lot of things we've got to work through to make this happen. And none of them seem to equal, I'm not sure sometimes how we're going to do that. And, and we go through that process. We're looking at it at the moment. We're, we're, we're doing our best as, as a leadership team to, to get us into our own property. Right? We believe it's really, really important for us as a church to have our own venue that we can then utilize seven days a week. We can use it for expanding ministry and making an impact. And even just to be, make a statement in this city to say, we are here, God is here. And it's a wonderful opportunity disguised as a massive problem.
and we keep hitting brick walls and, you know, we push down a wall and then there's a bigger one on the other side and the next one's made of limestone blocks and, you know, it just becomes situation after situation and, and we sit down and we look at that property and we look at that property and I think our last list is we're up to about 10 properties and we throw this around and that scenario and, and we look at where we're going and, and in all that you've got to try and keep your focus on what we're actually here for. What is the seed that God has placed within us? What is our purpose? And the fourth area that kills seed is not being prepared to pay the price. Greatness has a price. If it didn't have a price, everybody would do it. The purpose in your life has a price. If it didn't have a price, everybody would be doing it. There is always a massive price attached to becoming who God made you to be. To fulfilling the vision that he's placed within you, it always has a price. And you need to work out, am I prepared to pay the price? Am I prepared to even let go of some things that are good to pay the price? Am I prepared to let go of even things that God has done in my life previously to pay the price to achieve the vision that God has for you? You know, a scenario we're looking at right now with, with the whole relocating is, is looking at a block and, and our family actually not receiving any ways from the church and then, but moving into the house that's on one of the blocks as, as a swap sort of thing. And you look at the house and you go, but the house isn't as nice as the house we're in now. It has other benefits, but it has losses as well. You know, the kitchen's like half the size. There's only one bathroom. My kids are going, no! And you think, mm, it's probably a, a two to three year journey. That's like 900 days. More than that. It's a thousand days, actually. It's over a thousand days of having to fight for the bathroom. I've got four daughters. One will be out the door by then, but you know. And you go, do you want to pay that price? I'm not saying that's what's going to happen in this situation, but that's one of the things that we're looking at. You see, to achieve what God has for you, that seed that is placed within you, first of all, you've got to know what that seed is. Go to God. What is your plan? What is your purpose? And it may only be your purpose for the next year or the next two years or the next two months. But what is it that God has put within you when the Holy Spirit came within you and released within you that purpose for your life. And what is the price you're prepared to pay? What are the things that will try and steal and cloud out what God has for you? When you look at your plan and your purpose, 
when you look at what God has called you to do. And if you want to know, you know what it is, then go to God, take time out and say, God, what is your plan for my life? And when you discover that, you will discover, if you don't know it already, you will discover that it's actually impossible for you to do your plan and purpose in life. You actually can't do it. So what's the point then in having a plan or a purpose for your life that you can't fulfill? Well, you actually can fulfill it, but you can only do it in relationship with God. You see, Mary could not become pregnant by God, by herself. There was nothing she could do to have God impregnate her. It had to be a God thing, right? And then when he gave her the seed, then it was up to her to look after what God had given her. It's the same. If you go over the page of verse 37, the angel says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfilment. If you want to know God's plan and purpose, then you need to get a word from God. What is God's word for your life? It'll be impossible for you to do. You know, when, when I, I sit there, I close my eyes, and whenever I'm praying for the church, and I was sitting there last night, and I couldn't go to sleep last night, I just really felt the need to pray, and so I was sitting in bed, and, and just praying and praying, and, and I never ever see us like this. I always see this massive auditorium. And I see us holding one of our prayer meetings on Tuesday night, and it really hit me that you know we could be a thousand people, we would probably still run the same program we're running now. We get together on Tuesday night, we teach for an hour, and then we pray for an hour. And I just see this auditorium of people in groups of you know six or seven people just gathered around all over this auditorium praying together. I see this massiveness and I realize there is absolutely nothing I can do to make that happen. I cannot physically build the church. It has to be a God thing. All I can do is what God tells me to do. I can't make people walk in the door. And I can't stop them walking out the door. I can't make people like me. I've never worked out why they don't. I can't make people like us as a church. I can't make people want to be here. I can't save anybody. But I can do. I do do. I can share the gospel. I can pray. I can speak the word of God over this church. I can see the vision and then I can speak the vision. Because I know with God, nothing is ever impossible and no word from God is without power or impossible of fulfillment. Ecclesiastes says that he casts his word upon the water and it returns 
and it never returns void. That is never, the word will never return void, but fulfills and accomplishes what God sent it forth to do. And his plan and his purpose for us as a church is to change this city. In partnership with the other churches of the city, to change this city that they may know Jesus. How do we do that? One soul at a time. One person at a time. Person by person, just living out the life of Jesus, sharing the love of Jesus, one person at a time. Yeah, I got excited Saturday night, you know, end of the election. I was excited about the election. <laughs> but I sent a text out to a friend of mine who's a politician. And he's become a friend. And by the way, we sent him a gift basket before he got elected. Just to say, thinking of you. We did that as a church. We did it on your behalf. Not because we care about his political career, but because we care about him as a person. Sent him a text on Saturday night after he won his seat and just said, you know, congratulations, enjoy the evening, celebrations. And he sent one back saying, thanks a lot for the love and support. God bless. And I'm going, breakthrough. <laughs> All I did was what I could do. God does the rest. All you can do is to be the person God made you to be. That's all you have to do. God does the rest. He does the impossible bits. I can't make this guy have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I can show him the way. You can't make your friends and family have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you can show them a way. And that is your highest purpose. You need to find out how that works for you in your framework. For me, it works as you know the pastor of this church with Dale. For me, that works that I go into my workplace as a trainer and I build relationship with people and pastorally care for them in that context, even though I'm not the pastor officially in that place. It's just about you being you where you are. And some people go, but people think I'm a bit weird. Well, that's their problem. You know that? It's their problem. Some people look at me and go, you are strange. I go, yes, I am. The Bible says you are. And God's word does not return void, but accomplishes all that it's set out to do. Your faith system does not make sense in this world, so stop trying to make it. It's never going to. It says that the cross is foolishness to those who do not believe. They don't get it. They don't get why you believe. I have conversations with one of the counsellors in my workplace and she doesn't get it. She goes, oh, well, there's many ways and your know, spirituality is this and that and the other. She comes out with all this guff. And I just smile sweetly and drink my cup of coffee and go, I can show you Jesus if you like. 
but she doesn't get it. So I just be peculiar, which is normal for Christianity, right? Christianity is normal for us, peculiar for everybody else. But you know what? If you are the Christian that God called you to be, if you be the person he made you to be, they're going to look at you and go, you may be peculiar, you may be a bit strange, but I want whatever you've got. Because what you have got is more powerful than what they've got. And they realize that their normalness doesn't help them in life. But your peculiarness, which is Jesus Christ within you, that hope, that seed he's planted within you for greatness, is world-changing. And everybody loves a world-changer. Everybody wants to be around that person who makes a real difference. And that's you. God made you to make a difference in your own peculiar way. So be a weirdo. If that means being a Christian. Be you. goes on in verse 45, it says blessed, which is another word for happy and to be envied. Don't you love that? The word blessed means to be envied. Everybody wants to be the blessed person, yeah? You know, if I took a million dollars out of my pocket right now and I gave it to Sharon and I said be blessed, wouldn't you all want to be the blessed? (laughs) We'd all be envious. You know, we'd be happy for Sharon, but all be going, what about me? See, the blessed person is to be envied. By the way, you're all blessed. So you're being envied. Blessed, it says says in Sheba, I'm going to change it. Blessed is the person who believed there'd be fulfillment of the things that were spoken to them from the Lord. The Amplified says that. Blessed, happy to be envied, is the person who believed there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to them from the Lord. So if you believe that what God has said about your life is going to be happen, then going to happen, then you are blessed. People are going to envy you. Why? Because what you believe is going to happen. I believe that we will meet together in a building where there will be thousands of people together praying. Not just coming for an Easter festival, but praying. Because they're saved and they've met Jesus Christ and they're praying for more people in the city that they may know Jesus. And I'm blessed to be the pastor of that church. And I get excited because it's not me praying, it's everybody out there praying together. Empowered Christians living out God's plan for their life. He did not make you to be a wilting wallflower. He made you to be the awesome sunflower. You know, I've seen sunflowers like that big. You know, they're huge 
and they're bright. And if you had one sitting right here, you would not be looking at me. You'd be seeing this thing and going, that's huge. That's massive. That brightens up the whole room. That's you. Just by being you. You don't have to be at the front preaching sermons. You don't have to be grabbing people off the street. Do you know Jesus? You just need to know God's plan and purpose for your life and then believe He will do it and do all that you can. You see, Mary had a choice. You go back to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He gets an angel. I, mean, I, I love this guy. He gets an angel come and visit him. Like that happens every day, you know. He's in there in the Holy of Holies. So he's in the one place where you can guarantee connection with God. And if you get it wrong, you die. Right? So he's in the Holy of Holies, the central part of the temple. And in this environment that he's been preparing for months for, he has an angelic visitation. And an angel says to him, your wife is going to be pregnant. And he goes, really? You sure about that? I'm going, don't you know where you are? There's an angel telling you. But he still doesn't believe. And spends the next year not being able to speak. Mary, she's not in the Holy of Holies. She's just out for a walk. Wherever she's doing, she's going through her normal everyday life. And an angel comes and says, you know what I mean? Get it, get it. John's going to get Elizabeth pregnant by natural means. Right? Sorry, Zachariah's going to get Elizabeth pregnant by natural means. Alright? So, you know, yeah, they're a bit old, but, you know... There's Abraham before that. There's a bit of a forerunner. Mary is going to get pregnant by God. Now, don't you think she has the right to go, really? But she doesn't. She says, how does this happen? The angel says, it's impossible for you. It's not impossible for God. He spoke the word. It's done. Her response is, be unto me as you said. What a lady of faith. And so she gets pregnant and she walks out of there. And so you've got that same choice. You can choose to go, whatever you will for my life, God. Oh, that's really inconvenient. I don't know how that works and so I'm just going to live my own life and do what I want and be a, you know, sort of Christian. Because she, she walks out of there pregnant and the first thing she comes against, up against is opposition. Because she goes and tells her fiancé, God got me pregnant. Like that really washes. You know, this is, can I do this? This is like Anna coming to me now and saying, I'm pregnant, Dad. And Dad going, uh-huh, looking at Ivan. <laughs> She's going, no, no, God got me pregnant. 
It's like Anna going to Ivan and saying, you know how we're getting married in a few months? Well, I'm already pregnant. Isn't that exciting? And Ivan goes, what? You know, but we haven't had sex. We're saving that for when we're married. She goes, no, no, no. God got me pregnant. You think Ivan's going to be over the moon? You think Anna's parents are going to be over the moon that she's pregnant by God? This is Mary. This is Mary's world. I mean, it takes the angel to come and see Joseph slash Ivan to say, look, you know. Yeah, it was. But Joseph is the only one who got the angel. Nobody else got told. Everybody else is whispering. Oh, Mary. Behind the haystack, you know. When you get a vision from God, people around you are not going to understand. They are not going to go with God's purpose for your life. They're not going to get excited by it. And that's where most people lose what God has for them. Because they think, because God said it, everybody's going to be going, yes. They're not. They're going to doubt you. They're going to tell you, really? I can remember going back to my pastor. And we'd been at Bible college for three years. And we had a church that we went and talked to about becoming their pastor and worked out it wasn't where we were supposed to be and what God had for us. And at this time, um, it was in the same town, of, you know, back in Kalgoorlie, and, and our pastor of the church we'd been in prior to that, because we were living in Perth at the time, said, I'll come over, have a coffee. He said, a coffee. And he said, so you guys are serious about becoming ministers? And we went, yeah, we've been saying this for years. But he never ever took us seriously. Even though we'd just been through three years of Bible college, 14 years of leading youth groups. But he never ever took us seriously until we had that conversation with another church. And you're going, but he's the pastor. He's supposed to, you know. Yeah, but he's human. He didn't get it because it wasn't his vision. The vision God gives you is God's vision for you. It works in with the rest of the body of Christ, but it's God's vision and plan and no one else is going to understand. That doesn't mean you don't become accountable. That's a whole other sermon. So let me give you three quick steps, four quick steps, how to make your vision happen. First of all, have a vision. Know that God's got a plan for your life. Discover what that is. Number two, water your seed. Your vision is a seed. Water it. Speak words over it. Act like it's actually true. Right? You know, we're looking at a building. And so we go through planning and process and numbers. I said to, to Ken, it's like steam's coming out from all the cogs working overtime as we put numbers around and we shift figures around and try and make things work as much as we can. Because the rest is up to God. But we've got to do our part. 
Number three, do the work. Plan, prepare. Through the difficult and the good, keep focused on what God has for you. Keep speaking it out. Number four, stay in relationship and connection with God and His church. I've seen too many people get a vision or an idea from God and they run and forget God. Well, they sort of stay connected to God, but they disappear from church. And they go and run it out there. I'm really not passionate about parachurch ministries because I don't see them in the Bible. You know, if you can't do it in the context of the church, then... Because you see, we're supposed to build the church. That's what he told us to do. Build the church. The kingdom is the church. It's not you know, buildings, it's people. Build the church. So don't go running out the door. Run with the church. Yeah? His people. Stay close to God. Pray. Feed it with the word. And God will do it in His time. His time. Yeah? Mary didn't say, had that conversation and suddenly there was walked out with a baby in her arms. She had to go through a whole process of the baby growing within her, of giving birth, and then raising that child year after year after year until Jesus fulfilled what he was here for. He wasn't 30. He was 30 when he started. So there's a 31-year journey for Mary before she sees Jesus step into what he has for his life. That's a long time. On that note, I will finish. Is that all right? I finished it. So I want to encourage you. Get your vision from God and stay the course. Don't burn yourself out in the first five minutes trying to make it happen. Don't let the good come in and steal or the bad come in and steal. Keep your focus. Keep speaking the word. Keep yourself pure, walking with God. Deal with your stuff and let Him do it. Let's pray together. Just close our eyes and just wait on God for a minute. There are people here who've had had visions and dreams from God planted a seed within you but it's like you've aborted the seed or it's lying dormant within you but God's word does not return void but it accomplishes what it set out to do and God would say to you you need to speak to your seed you need to start speaking it out like it's actually true. You need to start talking like it's already happened. God says you can speak to the mountain and it'll go into the sea if that's what needs to happen. Some of you let your seed go because of impurity, because you're trying to have a foot in both worlds. 
You're afraid to be peculiar. You're afraid, afraid to be strange. You're afraid to stand up and say, I live for Jesus Christ. Like Dale read from Psalm 1, a tree grows when it's in the right soil, next to living water, being able to draw on that all the time. When you have a foot in, in both camps, you've got a foot, you're in, the, in, in terrible soil. You're away from the living water. You've got to plant yourself in the kingdom of God and say, I live for Jesus. You've got to make that decision to say, I live for Him. Because He is the life for that seed, for that plan, for your purpose, for your life. You've got to let go of the old before you can grab the new. Or it will cloud out the sea. 